0: You a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. And a happy, happy new year, new year. Um, Merry Christmas season. From Sound
1: Oh, I need to my gym
0: What did she say? She's talking about her you. gym membership, I think. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, well, <laughs> welcome back to the Sound Division podcast. <laughs> Uh, it is Christmas for you. We're recording this in November. But um, today we are looking at the most Christmassy of Christmas films ever uh, David Lowry's The Green Knight. Hooray! Yay. Yeah! Mm. Um, David Lowry couldn't be with us today. Uh, he apologizes, probably. Um, but we wish that. you a merry christmas <laughs> yeah um, we'll we'll do some news quickly some my christmas earrings oh that's oh. what that not... okay she <laughs> said she had to go get her
2: gym membership right. uh, well jingle it's what it sounded like
0: <laughs>
2: oh jingle cool. earrings
0: i'm glad the, oh. the listeners can hear them too maybe yeah, yeah there we go They're great um, <laughs> so very the very... <laughs>
3: season jingling and jangling.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um <laughs> so with the, the news, the news. Um Brighton Film Festival's just finished when we're recording this probably it's been like months. It's since.
3: not news anymore, it's just olds.
0: Yeah yeah absolutely um oh. that was some good there was some good stuff I saw. The souvenir part two yesterday that's great. Um that yeah, there's not really much news surrounding that. Just I enjoyed it. Um and you've got a lot to look forward to. Good for you, uh, Jay. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Um Dean Stockwell is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh, was, Don't laugh. So abrupt.
2: So that's good, Jay. Oh yeah, guess what? Puss also dead.
0: Um yeah, that there, well, there's the in memoriam section. Um <laughs> Dean Stockwell, you've seen Blue Velvet, you've seen oh, Paris, right. Texas. He was um, he? the Candy-colored Clown, the is is that guy?
3: What Benicio del Toro? <laughs> he looked like. Is that not Benicio del Toro in that film? Oh, he looked like.
0: No, no, he was the um,
4: brother in Paris, Texas, wasn't he?
0: Yeah. Yeah, he also died. Oh. In
3: Mexico. oh, the brother who's a bit of a like pushover. Which oh, I
2: guess it's the bloke from Quantum Leap. That's how I know him. His most famous work.
3: I, I think I need to look this up now to save my embarrassment.
0: Um. Okay. <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't be laughing. You've made me laugh now. I. How else? Oh, speaking? guys,
3: he died recently.
0: Yeah. <laughs> How really? No. Bit? How Welcome
1: this... <laughs> back to the most insensitive podcast you've ever witnessed in your life.
2: He looks a bit like the bloke with a wheelchair and breaking bad. <laughs> Which yeah, okay. One. Hector.
3: Oh yeah, he does.
2: It's only one. I think.
3: He was in Paris, Texas as the brother.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's also a new a new Spider-Man coming out, and I've heard a lot oh, of yeah. that oh, yeah. Tom Holland is actually going to be in it. Oh, I'm yeah. looking forward to that. Do that?
4: Which one are you talking about? Because I know the new Spider-Verse film has been announced as well. I'm oh, no, um, talking about um the live action. Yeah, I I don't think it's going to be good, but like the Raimi films are like childhood films of mine, and like I rewatched them and they still hold up really well. So I will just watch it for the nostalgia. And it's kind of cool to see. Is he directing it? Who, Raimi? Yeah. No, no, no. I just mean, of course, like, Toby Maguire is almost definitely going to be in it. And, you know, Willem Dafoe is likely to be in it. And, you know... We're getting Andrew the, Garfield. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of cool. It's like a comic book nerd. like to. We're getting some movies that are sort of hitting sort of like the level of, like, crossover and over-the-top world stuff, but, like, 80s comic books, well, it's kind of cool to see, like, a cross-dimensional kind of crossover because that yeah. hasn't really happened in movies yet, you know?
3: Yeah, it's well, It's like, how much bigger can they get than once you've done Avengers Endgame and across yeah. people in your own universe, then how much kind of more sort of wow factor before everything? Nothing is surprising anymore. I think
4: wow factor has been lost, hasn't it, you know? Um it's just sort of um MCU has just become a repeating like imagery and logos and iconography again and again and again to a point where all meaning is lost. And that's sort of how it feels when I watch any of them, which to be fair, I don't watch many of them. So
3: you never know though. Like it could be Toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield and um um what's the other one called again? Toby uh, Maguire. Uh, Tom. Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah. All three of them. They could be, I don't know, doing
4: something entertaining together. I really hope the film ends with him being crushed by a rock or killed Which by you? a <laughs> or something. What? Tom Holland. Oh. Just just have him die and have Toby. He's, he's an annoying little privileged shit. He's the worst Spider-Man. He goes... Every actor's is a privileged shit. Let's be honest. But I mean, his, Even his version of Spider-Man is shit. There's plenty oh. of people that would disagree with you. Yeah, well...
0: Um, Dean Stockwell is dead. Let's yeah, not marvel. He, he,
1: was he the brother in Paris Tokyo?
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> forgetting that he was also in um, the other one, On *Some Leap
4: and Blue yeah. Bell. Oh, he was also in Dune uh, 1984. So, you know, clearly he was like cream of the crop in acting. Was he um, in the book, though?
2: <laughs> he was also in Rebel Without a Cause. Was he Someone James Dean? Was yeah, no. uh, his name's actually James Dean. What's his second name again? Who are we talking about? Dean Stockwell. James Dean Stockwell.
4: He was also in a Beverly Hill Cop, Beverly Hills Cop two. It's like that
2: conspiracy theory where James Dean died and became
4: Dean Stockwell.
2: Dean Stockwell. Yeah. It's like so that it conspiracy theory.
1: Did he become now that he's also died as Dean Stockwell.
2: Um, Jackson Dead <laughs> the singer of Weezer <laughs> Have you seen that conspiracy theory that like Kirk Cobain is actually the singer of Weezer <laughs> Oh man
4: <laughs> It's a real thing It's become an episode about Weezer I've never heard them before but I think we could do it yeah. Oh you'd love them
0: um, Moving on Steve McQueen, you know Steve McQueen has a new film he's announced called Blitz We don't know anything about it but
3: I used to think oh. that Steve McQueen was Steve McQueen, Steve McQueen. What, Lightning McQueen? Um, no, you mean the classic um, the 70s older actor. I, I thought that Steve McQueen was like Clint Eastwood, so actor in his younger years. Oh, right, yes. Turned old wrinkly director making. But then I was like, wow, he's so progressive
2: on race. <laughs> <laughs> on what?
3: Race. And then oh. made sense when it turned out it was actually a middle-aged uh, black guy from London. Yeah. I don't know where he's from.
4: All I'm getting from that is, um, thank God Clint Eastwood has never been given a film on slavery. Mm. I'm, no, James, you know what? I'm sure he would do an amazing,
3: really heartfelt... And I'm pretty sure he's done some films. I'm sure has he been... would play a great slave owner. <laughs> <laughs> true,
4: true. Yeah, yeah. Almost as good as John Wayne.
0: Final, going back to news. Just to say, okay. Steamer
4: Queen's phenomenal. I think we didn't give him the respect he deserves. One of the best directors of our time. I think he's know? a very great director.
0: Final bit of news I've got is that it's a bit of a fun story. I don't know how many of you know about the Jodorowsky's Dune um, oh. and mm. how that was supposed to be the big 10-hour film. Didn't get made. Um mm. But all of the, all of the um, concept art, all of the developments for that went into a comic that he made called The Incal's. That has just been announced as being adapted into a film by Taika Waititi. Um, so
2: they're um, making a film. Is it based on Dune or not?
0: It's not. It's based on it's based on comics that was based on the concept art for Dune. So it's oh, okay. big mad. Um I think it's supposed to be about people saving the universe. Um I don't know much about it, but I feel like I now want to go and read those comics because they look fairly odd and interesting. Um I think he's done
4: a fair bit of other comic work in the past as well. With quite with a few he might have done something with Stan Lee, I think.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's done comics. I think that was in just he had lots of this stuff. and knew he liked writing comics. Well, yeah, I'm gonna make that. Double check. You are our um, comics guy, James. You need to.
4: That's it. He did a decent amount of work with French surrealist sci-fi comic artist Mobius. That's it, and that's he's quite. He was quite a spiritual filmmaker. You've probably seen some of his stuff here and there. Um, I mean, good mix. I haven't actually seen any of his stuff, but his art, it seems to fit with it. It's quite kind of spiritual without like any obvious meaning straight away, which I've only watched about half the Holy Mountain, but that seems to be the vibe I get from him.
0: All right.
2: I just Googled Dune and the fourth article that came up was, think twice before having sex on a Dune. And it's nothing to do with the film.
0: Should we talk about The Green Knight? Yeah. Yeah.
4: i need to hear about this article first i think Let's why shouldn't it, you i'm
0: not convinced now.
2: you can read it yourself it does look quite interesting
0: <laughs> okay
3: um and that that'll be our recommended reading if we had that <laughs> yeah. at the end yeah. of the video i mean podcast whatever
2: remember uh, a05 kids yeah <laughs> to put quotations into your essays yeah. This is a good article to follow for all.
4: <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anything like that happen in June, either Lynch's or Bill Nubb's version? I haven't seen either of them yet. What, sex yeah, on the dune? Yeah, is that how it ends, you know?
2: There's these oh, large just in the June, and they come out sometimes to eat people. Yeah, you could yeah, argue
3: yeah. A, a kind of sex happens.
2: <laughs> there are children in it. So it must have happened to someone.
0: <laughs> 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 <God, laughs> <I'm, I'm>, what? <laughs> <laughs> hey it's a green night. A green night. I mean, um, people must
2: have had children at some point, evidently. Oh,
0: <laughs> that's what you meant. Yeah, great wording. Oh. I, I I forgot to mention that today I'm joined by James, Arthur, Solomon, and Chloe. Um, yeah, and we're all having a good time, as you can hear. I hope you are too. Well Let's talk about what we're all here for. Uh, David Lowery's *The Green Knight*. I love the film. What do you all think of it?
2: It's okay. Of course, you say that. Was it? I said that every too? week. Don't I? Was it
0: boring too, Solomon?
2: Yeah, it was boring. <laughs> I think you know there's some good bits, some bad bits. No, I I thought, I thought it was a good film visually, but there were some parts which weren't as good as I was expecting because I didn't know what I was expecting when I went in. I didn't really realise it would be a weird film. I thought it would be kind of normal, and it wasn't.
4: Really? I'm always the exact opposite. <laughs> I think it didn't commit to its concept as much as I would expect from an A24 film. And I feel some of it felt oddly um, mainstream-ish. You know, not, and not just like, ugh, mainstream, this is bad, but like some of it felt oddly, um, well, the opening felt almost like a Disney film to me. Just him running around as the music's playing, like, today's the day. That felt a bit odd to me. Perhaps that was an intentional um, Yeah. To
3: lure the audience. Yeah, here.
4: I mean, it's not necessarily a criticism. You know, it's an annotation of a play, which is probably the closest thing to a medieval end game. It's so, adaptation you know, an
0: annotation of a poem.
4: Po- poem, wow. play. Uh, i I'll never read any of them. So, what's the point? What's the difference? Well, now you've watched the film, you don't, maybe you don't need to read the poem. Yeah, well, no, well, no, I do because it didn't sound anything like the original poem, did it? Because they used contemporary language. How do you know you haven't read it, James? Which (laughs) I'm pretty sure they won't use contemporary language in the 16th century poem.
3: Actually, I've brought up my own point as well here. Sorry, can I interject? Yeah. Is that, yeah, personally, for me, I loved it, but the one thing that struck me at first was. How he did say "yeah," like a twenty-first century dude, and the rest of it was so like precise. Some of it, some sections of it so precisely constructed, so as to, you know, convey that um, intonation and dialect that was. But you don't really know when it's set, I suppose. But I didn't like the inconsistency of the language. But overall, it's a film I really loved, and it's still sinking in.
0: I'm glad, um, I'm glad that you're. Biggest well, I think your your biggest criticism so far was about a dude saying, Yeah. I'm happy about that.
3: It's not piercing, is it? That it's not gonna knock the whole film down. That one, no. you know, that's that's like a just knocking down one, no, just
0: grazing a pin in bowling. Chloe, what did you think of the Green Knight?
1: Um, I loved it. I really liked it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of all that. Um, like medieval kind of era things. Like I got very engrossed in Merlin when that was a TV show on BBC. I, I got really engrossed in it to put I read the books afterwards. Um, so I really like that world. So I just, I can hear my ears jingling. Um,
0: Merry Christmas. Yeah, I, was
1: good. I liked it. Okay. I think that was a little bit stupid <laughs> in the whole story of the thing, in that Did he not listen properly in the whole like whatever you do, you've got to do back?
4: That's the point.
1: Given him like a little paper cut, you know. All he would have got back was a little paper cut. He didn't. He had to go for the full shebang and slice his head off. I think that was just a bit stupid. That
4: he needed to prove he was the manliest man man in the whole man cave.
1: He just proved he was the stupidest man man in the whole man cave.
4: Yeah, but it's the medieval the film, tale. What's the difference?
2: There's like the film, and then there's like the weird bits. And then the film would have been boring without the weird bits, let's be honest. But then also, the weird bits were just a little weird. And I feel like I'd watched it on a day where I'd I'd been working all day. I'd been working seven o'clock in the morning till like four. And then I wanted to unwind and just watch like a film. And the trailer made it look, well, I can't remember the, off the top of my head but I don't think the trailer made it look pretty normal so we we're watching it and then I think it's when he got to the house by the lake and then there's like the girl and he started and, and all this stuff started happening I was like what is going on and I really wanted someone just to sit back and relax and sort of understand I can understand it and I was like what is going on so I feel like I watched it another time because so I'd want to see it in the cinema again I'd watch it when I'm very into watching a film and understanding it, but when I watched it, I was just like, "What is going on? I don't understand." And then he is at the towards the end when he goes to that house and meets the bloke who like hospices him, and I, I that's the part I started getting tired at because I didn't really, I wasn't really following it that much, and so. Mm. But and earlier
3: you said you woke up at a pivotal
2: moment. I did wake up at well, it was around the pivotal moment when he um he had a bit of a happy accident. And
3: it was all very pivotal, lots
2: of yeah. Yeah. And then he had the the belt. And then I thought the best bit was probably the sequence like right at the end before he got his head chopped off. And it was showing everything that could have happened. Yeah. Or would have happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Is
2: it is it could've or would've. Should've.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: And that's exactly the point. I didn't care. I just wanted to be told what it was. But instead I had to think, and that really annoyed me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, but only, only
2: then
4: It
0: doesn't annoy me now I'm glad we I have always... you here to bring us back down to earth That's good,
4: good. I have the exact opposite oddly, Because I um, I did a double bill The day I saw Green Knight And I started with No Time to Die And after that I was just like Please Jesus Christ give me a fucking film That doesn't Think I have an IQ of 5 And doesn't explain everything to me And isn't just made by a fucking spreadsheet So I think that was the perfect context to see Green Knight in, you know, and I I do like it. I wanna say, I do now realize my first comment about, oh, the language could sound really pedantic. And like, I don't think, I'm more talking about maybe why I didn't like it as much as you guys, and that might change in context, but kind of like, it's A24, you know, my favorite film from theirs is is, um, The Lighthouse. And what I really love about that is the language. And I'm not sure if it's 100% accurate, but it feels to be researched and built on something. And just that language puts me really into that world, like no other film does. And I can definitely see the argument of, maybe David Lowry is making a point about how, you know, the poems of, you know, old that maybe we see as higher culture in some way fits in with a lot of the art of modern days that we perceive as lower culture, or at least that's what I got out of it. So maybe there's a point for having the kind of, Marvel-esque characters and the Disney-esque editing for some of the scenes in the contemporary language. But for me, I kind of, knowing it was based on like a medieval poem, I was really hoping to see the characters talk in this language and it just all be so grandiose and over the top, because I guess that's kind of, oddly enough, like sometimes I like melodrama and sometimes I don't, but if the characters are speaking in a really grandiose language, I like quite under the right I context can like lot. that. Is it just
3: uh, me that they not do a lot of grandiose speaking? Um, very mm, It still boring. felt
4: very contemporary, from I my perspective. The, the comment maybe about a not picking up on it, you know, and being a dumbass. The comment so. about
2: A24. Like, I swear, A24 are only the distributors of the film, so not all the films. Are, they're not like I understand that they try all the films you watch by A24. You sort of know it's by them, but that doesn't mean they have to be incredibly like quirky or really weird and mind bending because there are probably films that they made which aren't but I can't think of one right now but like I mean I'm trying to think of one but I can't but if mean, like, there are films they've made they've made quite a lot now that, and there
0: are films made. You know, they made they have soundtrack. made
2: films which aren't you don't have to sit there and think about it like too much they have made like the Little Lighthouse it there's obviously some deeper meaning in that, there, but there's also a, a storyline of just two men going insane. And that's what you can follow. But to say that this film isn't good because it's A24 and they didn't make it as weird as possible, it sort of doesn't really work as they are only distributing the film. It's not
4: oh, No, I know. I'm saying that's probably unfair, but just because it was A24, that was what I was expecting. And also just knowing David Lowry has, has done stuff like, 10 minute one-shots of people eating pies, I would expect him to really be dedicated to the language in a way that made the film ununderstandable and I was here for it.
0: I quite enjoyed the fact that it wasn't all ye old language. And because I, I and we'll get into it later, I think, but the interpret my interpretation of it is a very moral, timeless message, timeless story of a mother saying to her son in in let's be honest in an extremely violent quite mean way you've got to live your life your own way and with courage should we and, explain and what it's...
4: the plot of the film before we go sorry I don't mean to interrupt you I just think it might be better to explain how the mother teaches him that before we
0: I explain we, our I guess so um,
4: sorry I don't mean to interrupt I was just
0: thinking but that. I think it's it's like Solomon was saying, it's not entirely straightforward. Yes, there's a journey from A to B, but it's one of those ones that I think you have to decide what A is and what B is and what course is A or A and a half, if you want, and where B sits in relation to A. It's it's not a very straightforward film, despite it being about a journey. So what what's your interpretation of it uh, mine yeah
4: yeah i might just explain for those who haven't seen the film basically his mother does a spell watch and this it. Is saying- if you haven't
0: seen it watch it it's on amazon okay. prime but it was better uh, in the cinema just saying
4: yeah but I
3: um, think you should also, watch it before you um listen to this
4: i don't know i think my description will be about on par with david Lowry's <laughs> vision but um basically you know this big uh kid you know he wants to go on an adventure and be impressive and all of that and he's at king arthur's table on christmas and he talks to king arthur Arthur, and his mother does a spell and this wooden creature knight thing comes in and he challenges him to to anyone to a duel who's brave enough to face him uh this main character decides to and the whole thing is you shall have my axe um for a year um if you shall win a duel but um the rule is You know, whoever fights me, whatever blow you give me, whether a slight cut or, you know, having my arm ripped off or whatever, um, you shall return. You know, the person before me shall trek with the axe in a year's time and meet me on Christmas Day to have the blow repeated. And um, because this main character seems to be the smartest character in movie history, he decides to fucking decapitate him. Um, And then a year goes by, and he sort of is like, does that really have to happen? And King Arthur is like, yes. And then he's on, you know, a merry adventure where he finds he the true meaning it, of Christmas as soon as it and happens. meets a bunch of friends. I think but he
3: then, knew. I think it was more that the fact that the Green Knight knelt down in such a way as
4: to have him be, be, be beheaded. Yeah. I think he um, believed if he beheaded him, he would be dead. So how could he do it to him? But of course, um, yes, trees can live being beheaded. Yeah. I see. But, uh,
3: that would make sense if he just thought that I've killed the beast and he can't get me. But it's still yeah, yeah.
4: foolish. Oh yeah, but I think that's the point. I mean, Jay, I remember when we talked, you said you saw you sort of saw the ending about him actually learning a moral. I didn't necessarily like the ending as much because I thought the story was about how a lot of morals given by authority figures and a lot of stories we tell are just sort of made up or or just sort of, I'm trying to think how to say this without sounding cynical, but I kind of, you know, I feel all these stories about noble kings and lords and stuff like that. It's bourgeoisie propaganda. So I was kind of taking that interpretation of it, of these kind of stories we say in these traditions we follow just because we want to feel like we're important or powerful instead, you know what I mean? And I almost saw the film as a farce. Like, you know, he did nothing but cut a guy's head off creature's head off and he was praised as a hero because on christmas day people were bored and they wanted to see someone do something and i guess what he did was be the big manly man and cut this defenseless creature's head off and then it's literally like you shall come over you know you shall trek uh, for about five days and politely have your head cut off you shall bring the axe which we clearly haven't used for a year which has been no point and I thought the big point of the film is he wanted to do it because he thought he was big and he thought it would make him great. And like for the first few journeys, he feels like there's nothing, he meets a lot of characters on the way. And I think the first person he meets is that other kid who wants to be a great hero and ambushes him and steals the axe. And I think when this, that film happened, first of all, I want to say about that scene, I genuinely thought the film might start following that kid who stole the axe after that. Because, like, I was like, is this going to be about how once you take the axe, the mission becomes yours? And it's just going to be people dying and taking it. So, like, the film did achieve a rare thing of making me actually scared for a main character, not even halfway through it. But then, you know, that happened. And I think even during that scene, there's still this feeling that it's still his mission. He has no choice about it. Then he meets the woman, you know, who was killed by another soldier. And he finds her head because of that. He finds the axe. And during that, he's trying to bargain with her, like... Could you help me out? But there's still this implication that he has to meet the knight. And then when he meets the final kind of people, this guy says, Oh, when I see you again. And to me, that's the film starting to say he doesn't actually have to do this. There's the possibility that all along, you know, he's had agency and it's his choice, you know, and he has the freedom to, you know, not see this as a noble mission and to not pointlessly do this and just live a happy life. So I kind of saw it more of a film about. The kind of farcical nature of a lot of the stories that we've used to prop up heroes you know but yeah that's just my what do you cynical. mean by that the farcical stories it's, used to prop up
3: heroes. Um,
4: i'm trying to think out was just, i just think you know most stories around king arthur they were bs and they were just kind of almost propaganda about kind of european excellence just like a lot of stories and myths and stuff and i just feel like it was maybe point out our obsession with greatness and kind of how a lot of the time they're pointless tasks that are just about being seen as big. I don't know. I I kind of had it when I was watching it. I've I've kind of lost it. But um, I think I know what you might be trying to say, and that
3: people feel a need to prove themselves, and heroes are generally defined by the tasks that they um complete. So like Hercules, um, yeah. the ten tasks that he did, and that to be a hero you have to go out and slay things and you know
4: yeah Um, yeah like I think you know King Arthur that was the time when you know I think a lot what this kind of reminded me of is of course you know Arthurian tales but also like remind me of a lot of the legends that the Romans and the Greeks told them about themselves and of course all their legends came down to all the society was saved or made or protected by this one glorious individual and maybe there wasn't much consideration for art about the ordinary and the day-to-day and the value of just living a simple good life or, you know, um, and I guess, I I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just, um, I just, I don't know. I guess I just don't find there to be much truth in stories like that. So I didn't kind of like the idea that this film said there was a truth to that tale. I kind of more (laughs) like the idea that he just needed to do this to feel something and create a fake legend that would make him seem important when really he didn't do anything you know and i almost felt some of the film was implying everyone before him had did that and that most stories of greatness is just stuff we do to justify um the power of us. because i mean around the time this play would this poem would have been popular would have been the time that kings were arguing divine right of kings you know oh i deserve to rule over you and oppress you because god has pointed me as you know the the guy who is in charge of you naturally because of my blood so maybe in that context, yeah. Maybe in that context, what? That's maybe in that con. The context of putting in that time made me more feel like no one really believe in that there was actually a point to his task. So to summarise,
3: you think that the film is about him doing something pointless and everyone bigs him up um, when really there's what is it good that he did nothing
4: i I'm, yeah I, i'm not just thinking about how like he did do something didn't cultures he Cultures did. and people create narratives to make themselves seem more powerful that's more what i saw it about you know about kind of european excellent kind of tales and stuff like that that's what i related his journey to you know
2: i think his journey was pointless to an extent i think he shouldn't have cut the 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 head off at the beginning and then if you didn't cut the head off then nothing would have happened but then there wouldn't be any film but no I think what I felt or what I can remember feeling when I came out was that he 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 wanted to be heroic he wanted to show off to the king basically and then once he saw what could have happened or would have happened as I was saying that that flashback he sort of realized what what Jay was saying I think Jay's interpretation it was sort of what was it again it was
0: um so i thought this whole film was about a mother morgan le fay who was upset maybe um unhappy with his not his her son uh, who at the beginning was waking up drunk or hung over running off to do whatever he was going to do which was not being a knight um, and to help him grow and to get him to do something that wasn't sitting around uh, and just having lots of sex basically she summoned the green knight uh, and set up this meeting in which he would have to exhibit dedication and thoughtfulness, which sort of backfires when he decides to behead the Green Knight. So she realizes that he's going to have to go off and play this game. I'm I'm not entirely sure whether she knows what, will happen whether his fate or what his fate will be i'm not entirely sure she knows but i think she is willing to take a risk that that will result in her son either not coming back or coming back a hero basically and someone who's worthy of praise and a following and so he sets off and we see her put a blindfold on when she's summoning uh, the green Knight, and the blindfold turns up again, and uh, at the house, which is full of temptations for him, such as the lady uh, as her character is called, who's played by the same person who plays his girlfriend Essel there's also that whole there's the deal that's sort of similar to the Knight's deal and Anything that you're given here, um, you give back to me. Uh, it's it's all very tempting for him to stay in this brilliant house with this woman who he's had, um, as Solomon called it, a happy accident with. Um, and eventually he breaks free from this temptation, which is all part of the plan, which is watched over by somebody in a blindfold, an old woman who... I I sort of read that as she was the the matriarch, or she's the person who this lord and the lady have come from in some way. And after he leaves, he he moves on, goes to the green chapel, which uh, it he the, the green knight. Sorry, there's. I don't know whether you noticed. It would be interesting to see whether anyone else noticed it, but his face sort of morphs into Morgan Le Fay's and the King's. And I think even his at one point, point. Um, and it just represents all of these different people that he is, um, what well, I can't think of the word, people that he would be letting down if he were to run away with this protective girdle. So he, eventually after that nearly 15-minute scene of silence sits down to get his head cut off and the green knight looks at him and says now brave brave knight off with your head uh, and then smirks and then the film ends and i interpreted that smirk as uh, it's all a joke you're not going to get your head cut off you're going to be fine you've proven that you you're a brave person, you, you've you accepted your fate, you've removed your girdle, you are willing to live life not being protected by other people, not being protected by your mother. You're doing this for yourself, for your family, with other people in mind. And I felt it was a film about a mother bettering her son. That's, yeah, that's, that's it. A really long winded version of
3: that. So basically we should all get rid of our mummy belts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Weird way thing. I
1: putting like it. Thank you. I, li- I like the idea that he doesn't actually die at the end.
2: Yeah I the didn't thing think is he... that the smirk. He does die at the end.
0: Doesn't he? He gets his head chopped off. We don't we don't see it. It
1: cuts before
0: the trial, Oh really? <laughs>
2: Have you said Phil? So? I've I genuine, yeah. I didn't know I've I i did not know cuts before. I just assumed that he would have. I uh, cause he does swing, doesn't he?
0: No. Does he not? No, he just says off with your head and then goes <laughs> um, <laughs> I just remember does, him doesn't
3: saying
2: he? that and then cut. I don't remember any facial expression. Because he, he's oh. about to do it and he's like stop and then it goes to the flashback or the flash forward or whatever it is, the flash forward what could happen? And then, and then he's like, okay. And then he takes off the belt and then it's like off of the head, but he doesn't actually go for it.
0: Yeah. That, 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 that makes it, to me, is sort of like, this is what living, because he's got that belt on at all times and he's, it makes a point of showing that belt and lots of close-ups of it and the living life under the protection of a title almost, um, is not, that that's awful that's an awful way to live you want to live it with risk and you want to realize that you are alive and you are mortal oh
3: i know so his mum gave him the belt because he's always taking off his trousers to have sex with the women so if she gives him the belt he can't there's no way he can take off his trousers so but then magic belt the doesn't belt, come so off during he sex he can have as much sex as he wants again there we go
0: that's that first really is the green knight. Yeah,
2: that's yeah. a very weird. Mm. But, mm. Mm. I was gonna say some interpretation. Maybe off with the head it's like off with your mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
4: I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely
2: can't believe I didn't realise that he didn't actually get killed. Because that actually makes a film. Maybe your interpretation yeah, is I...
3: that's why he left it open.
2: Yeah, it, it leaves an open interpretation. I guess I always just interpreted that he just got, got killed. He just got his head chopped off and that was the end.
3: But we can't say what you're wrong because it never no, gets not that. at all.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm, but I'm not entirely sure it matters.
2: Yeah, I was dead really? set. I thought that's what happened. Like I thought I remember him getting his head chopped off. Apparently not.
0: Even if he and didn't I, give the Green Knight a paper cut. It would still be a story about dedication, even if they cut before he got given a paper cut. Mm. And the fact that he was going to get his head cut off—it
3: adds more weight to it, doesn't it?
0: Really? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, it wouldn't have been nearly as high stakes film if he was just going to get a paper cut. But they
4: do hurt. I mean, if he was um, what <laughs> they call it—a a, a, hemophiliac—it would have been, to be fair. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I mean, that that's might have what been a David bit. David was missing. <laughs> yeah, a strange thing to build into a, a medieval.
2: You think of like it, the he is a um he is made of wood. So if you think about it, wood, paper, they're sort of the same thing. It's kind of like slicing a human of skin, isn't it? Because
4: oh no, because he survives being decapitated. I don't think that would happen to yeah, any of if us. If it was a
2: paper cut, then giving him a paper cut might be like oh no, this is really weird. You're cutting me with my own skin. And then he would have been really disturbed. They
3: never said paper cut. It was just a cut. It just said a small cut. There was no.
0: Oh, I thought. I thought someone said paper cut. I I, I, was, I was saying paper, paper cut, cut. A minute, that's a small wound. But um, a
3: misquote, I think. Oh yeah, small wound. Yeah. Yeah. I agree Probably. with you, Jay. Um, I think that your interpretation is probably in line with mine which is still probably developing having only seen this film today at the time of recording um but i don't know i also thought that you could interpret it as being about accepting death and that to live his life he had to just accept that he would die
0: but yeah if he yeah he did
3: not accept that truth then he would always be i don't know restrained by the belt maybe that's some symbol of restraint um but also here's a another interpretation you know when the camera spins around spins around and he's and he's on the floor he's being bound up by those uh those uh, those those rough types um yes those no 'er do-gooders and um, then it pans around and he's a skeleton Mm. And that's that. That's that classic moment in the film where it's like
0: it could have all ended there, and it's all just his death dream.
3: I don't think you agree with that, but
4: you know,
0: I don't. Maybe want to that him, he didn't get
4: beheaded. You know then we saw his full skeleton. That he did get the flash of the final moments of his life. It just was further away than he thought. He just died on the floor because that
3: from that point on, the film doesn't make sense a lot as in it gets wildly illogical as after that point before then i think it's all Well, i don't know you've got the okay no
4: probably not tree men are very scientific they have been proven through fossil evidence you know no one here's denying the existence of tree men are they
3: it's it's tricky because the whole thing is set up as a myth right at the beginning Do you know when they're saying, they're whispering about yeah, of yeah. them on fire um I
0: had a quote that the first line of the film um struck me, especially re-watching it with my interpretation of look, see a world that holds more wonders since any that the world was born. I think that's the whole quote. I I was writing that down whilst another line was being spoken. So but that that sort of as you're saying, not or seeing the world for what it is whilst you're alive. Without, well, with death being there, it's just. What
3: did we think? The giant naked people. Drug trip. He was still feeling the effects of that mushroom. The fox had someone was fine. So, I mean, (laughs) going lightweight.
0: It made the fox talk, Arthur.
4: (laughs) I think the (laughs) drugs made the fox talk.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, The drugs taught the fox English. Who was who
3: was embodying the fox there? I didn't understand what it was trying to do. It was trying to dissuade him from going any further.
0: Yeah, I, I interpreted that as another manifestation of Morgan Le Fay. Good old Morgan Le Fay. I don't He's understand. Is the mum a to...
3: good or bad presence in this film?
0: I, ooh, more... that, that's, that depends on your interpretation, I think. I think that was another one of her trying to tempt him away from his fate to see if he really was going to go for it. He did, and that was what she wanted.
3: So, she w- had all the agency all along.
0: Yeah, in my mind, she's she's good. She might, yeah, okay, maybe a bit misguided, going to proving her point by getting herself. Son- there's
3: better ways to raise your son. <laughs> <be able> to- <laughs> but like if you see the film. Oh, sorry, didn't mean
4: to interrupt. No, oh, no, please. Yeah, go on. I think I think the problem for me is if you see the film as a genuine moral tale, I feel like you could get into possible bad mentalities of like the ends justify the means. You know, like oh, you've got to push someone even if it puts them in a bad situation. Or like, I don't know. I just I, I'm so tired. So I'm trying to think how to word this. Like,
0: I guess if you're going to put someone, I, feel, I could very, very much see, world, see... tree person. Maybe yeah, rethink. But um. I'm not sure many people get that opportunity.
4: Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I've lost my point, oh, yeah. it's the idea that
3: his aim is to... He wants honour, doesn't he? He wants to be a knight, but then...
0: He wants a story to tell.
3: But then what's the name of the actress who plays both his girlfriend back home and uh, the lady in the castle?
0: Alicia Vikander, I think it is. Yeah. But then
3: Alicia Vikander sits on him and then says, "You're no knight." So is the whole film him having to prove to the female um, presences in his life that he is a big, strong man?
0: I I wouldn't like to think so. Although you make a good point. And I don't
1: know the answer to that question, but I do know that that scene was disturbing.
0: <laughs> what well scene? not many
3: films i feel like you know you always know what's going on but then it just cuts to the the come on the belt and i'm like wow okay you're gonna go there
1: i unfortunately didn't watch it in the cinema because it, it was showing twice in my local cinema that was it just what? twice. um because i'm in the arse end of cornwall um so i had to watch it on amazon so i watched it with one of my flatmates and we both had to pause it after that just happened just to go what the, <laughs> <fact?"> <laughs> yeah, it's the five minutes just sat there going what and That was kind of how that went that's definitely a weird moment and it's
0: it's 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 a fairly talked about moment too there's a lot of reference yeah. to it online
1: because it's shocking
3: um, you just can Get that um graphic i suppose
1: yeah uh
3: but i think it added more weight to the scene definitely i think that it made it more yeah it made it more shocking it? it makes it more memorable
4: um to think he would wear it for the rest of his life as well you know well <laughs> right, yeah. you could just slip it in the river i mean you know
2: give it a yeah. wash
4: it in the river <laughs> it it probably like, you know, you also see he never takes the belt off, so it probably happens, you know, for that 15... Sure. that belt finally, stays on during sex, so... Yeah, yeah, magic belt stays on, so... Yeah.
3: But that was his problem. He needed to take the belt off. Yeah. that's, and that's a bit wash. He was keeping his, his mother's presence with him the whole time,
4: which is quite disturbing when you think Maybe about Maybe
2: he it. was asking the Green Knight to wash the belt. He wasn't taking it off.
4: Maybe... He thought if the Green Knight thought this was a sex thing for him, he would feel too awkward and stop it. Maybe that was the plan, you know,
2: and that's Maybe. why he was kneeling down.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe he was just no,
0: I don't like this interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> just,
4: just before the knife goes, oh yes, and then the Green Knight just leaves. It's like, yeah, we'll ever keep the axe, fine. It's a great way to get a second date if you, you know, do all that thing with the um, chopping off your head and then, you know, you've got to see me next year. (laughs) It's really the story about just a little hermit who's nervous to meet his boyfriend for the second time this Christmas. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah, because he opens his eyes and sees him waiting
4: there and he just closes them again. He, He just doesn't know how to express himself. You know, we've all been there, awkward little situations, you know, like don't know how to communicate, got the times wrong. Say you're going to behead them instead of just saying "I love you." We've all been hold
0: there. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So the off Green Knight, the head. Green Knight enters the hall, and says that, Death Patel's character Gawain, has to return the blow, um, one year <laughs> henceforth. <laughs> yeah.
3: Off with your head now!
0: And that's where he goes. Maybe he meant in the green start chapel. off
2: with head now. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's all there. It's all there. Yeah, yeah, it's...
2: Maybe it's the one point of the film where they actually started speaking old English and they were like off with head, meaning start off. Oh, we've sorted the code, David Lowry. Done it again.
4: I mean I've heard the original poem's pretty gay, so you know.
1: <laughs> I did post a link to the original poem in the chat. In the original chat, I can find it again
3: though. To me, like um he wanted it to get it on with um you know, the, the Lord, um, Edgerton's character, um, because when he gave him a kiss, he was very much for it. But then he said, uh, what do you say? In a very sort of, you know, unhand me, but don't sort of way. Or maybe that's, I don't know, so many different interpretations to take.
2: Yeah, but some are evidently wrong or just
3: definitely wrong. Because I think it was building up to Edgerton basically beating the shit out of him because he'd had sex with his wife. But then it turned out he had a crush on him.
2: Was it his wife? It's a really short poem. I thought it was
4: his... I thought it was his daughter.
0: I thought they were both manifestations of Morgan Le Fay or her creations, so it didn't really matter to me. So, uh, yeah, maybe that was just an interpretation to get around... Uh, They all
3: liked to stroke each other's faces, didn't they?
0: Yeah, yeah. It was a very... um, (laughs) I'm not saying that. I'm not uttering that line. It entered my mouth and I thought, no, not going with it. Uh,
3: (laughs) What episode are we now? What number is this? I...
0: Sorry. Um, I I think it's probably... Twelve,
3: maybe. Episode
4: twelve, yeah.
0: It could be wrong. Could be wrong.
4: I think um, we've done three episodes since Wrecking for a Dream, right? So whatever number that is,
0: add three. Oh, maybe it's thirteen. Maybe it's the unlucky one. What have we done since Wrecking for a Dream? Um, Sorry, we missed you and Marl and Drive. Are they and both on Monday. Them. No, last Wednesday. They're oh, they in the past. they were in the past.
4: What did you guys
3: think of that whole? Um, suddenly, it turned out that he had a crush on him. Do because I thinking about that now, that almost seems a bit cheap that they just as he decided to just quickly throw that in there, or was it actually a? Um, I don't know.
0: I am good... pretty sure there's a bit more to it in the poem. I haven't read that, but I'm sure I have read. Someone has said that there's a bit more to it, or it's based off of a bit more in the poem. Um, but I'm I think it was again more of that deal, that weird promise that was semi what the Green Knight was. You give to me anything you receive. And I think it was just another test of dedication. I didn't really read loads into it. Mm. I, I think maybe
3: I suppose when you have a film that is this pompous, and this is the thing about this film, it is very very pompous, and my ma- I was watching it with my mum, and she said, uh, "Oh, this film's very up its own arse, isn't it?" Um, <laughs>
0: we need her which,
3: on the Ghost. But a lot of a lot of films that have a lot of quality, they just are very. serious. But I don't know. There are some points in this that were quite funny as well. I can't. But I couldn't tell if it was Lowry sort of being self-aware because he must know what a kind of pompous tale it is, especially since he's adapting
0: it. Yeah. I think but, um, modest. Yeah, Some bits were funny. Yeah, there were some.
3: But not intentionally, I don't think. Um, I didn't love the ending montage, to be honest.
0: Oh, what?
3: don't know. It did seem a bit sort of... Um, yeah, that seemed like the most pretentious part of the film for me, the flash-forward... Um, All this sort of him not talking at all, just those long staring moments of him looking and, you know, he's older now. And, oh, you've got to uh, interpret this by looking at it visually now from the story. Um, Yeah, I feel that's more of a personal preference part for me, but. um, I don't know, I I was almost just expecting it to end there, but then when it went back. Then that kind of wrapped it up a bit more. I don't know, it just seems straight, he just suddenly turned into a douchebag, basically.
0: Yeah. Still wearing his, his hey, come mummy on. belt.
3: Yeah. What can't this mummy belt do? What does this mummy belt do?
0: It was, it was a belt of protection. Um. So it was supposed to protect him from Ah.
3: Uh, it's a film about protection. Always wear <laughs> it.
0: He, he did, he did, and that didn't lead to very good Maybe, maybe that's not a, a great message. <laughs> Don't worry, <quit. laughs> <laughs> David Lowry, that's propaganda.
3: Oh, come on, it is. No, he's definitely putting loads of stuff about sex in this film on purpose, <laughs> isn't it?
0: One of the quotes I remember coming out from him before it was released was it was something along the lines of I, I didn't want to shy away from lust. Or something similar. Um, so there we go. Do
3: you know what kind of a man David Larry is in the whole, you know
0: <laughs> romance department? What? No, do we know? Because I'm, I'm know. not sure what you're asking <laughs> because I, <laughs> you've just asked me something. Man. Come
3: on, Jay, you must it's... know. No, do you know what I mean? Like some directors have probably, uh, so Stanley Kubrick and then he makes something like Eyes Wide Shut and it tells you something about um, how the man views sex. Um, because I don't know, that film is probably, I haven't seen actually, but from my head.
4: You're right. right, it's it's very sexist. It's very, uh, uh, women are out to get us.
0: Funnily so, enough, yeah. uh, I don't know what it's like to love David Lowry. No, not to love him what it's like for him to love.
2: <laughs> I mean... Does he have a wife? He does. Should we ask her? So
3: is he monogamous? <laughs> like, does he, has he been had the one wife? You know, you just add up these clues and you get a portrait. Is it that... Do you see where I'm going?
2: He's only had one wife and her surname is Frizzle. <laughs> Athena Frizzle.
4: If that doesn't tell you how disastrous his love life must be. <laughs> I mean to be honest from the photo jay has got in the background um he really gives me the vibe of like a guy i would get an advert for on youtube at about 4 p.m and he would talk about how all men and women fit into an archetype and you can find out how to pick up any woman with my book just 5.99 he
2: looks like a watered down version of borat (laughs) (laughs) just shave off the hair
0: oh i'm Taking it down. Oh.
4: <laughs> We've ruined David Lowry for you.
0: Yeah, you can't do that. You cannot do that. But but you've done it. Mm. Well, um... no, he
3: doesn't. He doesn't look to me like a man who has an awful lot of sex. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why? Why are we here? How have we ended up here? <laughs>
4: i just saying, you know. He doesn't seem like a very caring lover. I just don't get no, it from him. No,
0: he seems exactly this sort of lover. who's very firm. <laughs> now I hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: Yeah, that's right, David Lowry, you mega virgin. Get off <laughs> our podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what? What's going on? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I... Well, it's dead. <laughs> Lest we forget. <laughs> I I can't think of anything more to follow up on that with the Green Knight. I I'm... I kind of have. One final comment I want to make. Guys
1: wait, else... guys, wait, guys, wait, wait, David Larry's wife is hot.
4: Oh.
3: Oh. Okay. So that that whole scene with the belt and
2: the cum probably. <laughs> she also looks, like, she looks like the woman. She looks like she's
4: twelve. Sorry, I suppose.
2: Don't tell me this woman
0: does not look under the age of thirteen.
4: To be fair, that does, that does track it. if he's a Hollywood director.
0: Grace, okay. I think you might have to edit this bit out. Oh, that's, that's the best no, I do think that you can Wait.
4: tell a lot about a
3: director and how they portray romance in their films from their own love life, especially if they've Wait. written the script as well.
4: Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, now I've just got a really awkward angle of her. There is only so her face.
4: There is one thing we have learned from seeing a photo of his, his girlfriend, but I I won't say it.
3: I think that he probably likes um, controlling women who have lots of books and are very intelligent. Uh, yeah. yeah. but No, it all comes under that auteur thing about distinctive
4: personality. Do you know what I mean? You know? Yeah, and you can feel his clear, you know, raging lust coming out all of his yeah. films. <laughs>
1: I never want to, what to hear, the, like, hear what he does? lust coming out of anyone's mouth ever again. I'm disturbed. I am.
2: Mm. Disturbed. Mm. I thought the film was very sexy. <laughs> <I> thought-
1: <laughs> can, we, can, we, can we stop now? <laughs> I, mean, I, think it's, I think this is the end. This, this episode's died.
0: We got, this, 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 we got too sexy. We got too lost. I, I was very happy to talk about The Green Knight, but um, since this is the last episode of 2021, um, our establishing year, no less, um i thought we it might be nice to have a retrospective and talk about the films that we've seen in 2021 the best the worst all of the above let's let's talk about what we've seen this year let's let's do it it's been a strange year um but it's it's yielded some some good films i, I think yeah um, so what what what? Firstly, what's the best film that has come out this year, in your opinion?
3: I think Dune
4: was pretty good. I
2: was going to say June, Dune. What, what you it say?
3: Weird?
4: It's a tie between, you guys are going to hate me for the second one, uh, Summer of Soul and Last Night in Soho. Oh.
1: <laughs>
4: look, I'm sorry, I'm a basic bitch, but look, it's... Edgar Wright was like the first director who's like there films. Was, there
1: was one black person with a named speaking role and they painted his face white midway through. And you still think
4: it's a good film? I mean, they were going as ghosts. Hang on, James, you don't like Edgar Wright. I saw, so, okay, look, I agree with no, a it, lot of it's the It's
0: crazy. me who hates Edgar Wright. Oh, right. I'll open and up the and like I agree
4: with the criticisms but I think he makes good first-watch movies. I think he makes very like you watch it, you have a lot of fun. And I will admit, maybe no, you the only thing no, about... No,
0: don't. You, i I want okay, to talk the television off and kick it in. Look, hey, baby, if you, let me just, pages if, if late, you like... give me two minutes,
4: if you give me two minutes to say something positive, I will never say something good about him again on the podcast.
2: You have yeah. 25 seconds.
4: <laughs> okay, no, no. It, I really, okay, also you need to know the cinematography is by Chung Hoon Chung, who is just the best cinematographer alive. He's the guy did Old Boy. When I literally saw that, I literally leapt out of my seat. Literally. So I'm just going to put that out there. But wow. like, Edgar right. he makes not necessarily phenomenal films, but like, they're technically competent and they're fun to stop that, Sullivan. And they just, they just have a good point. And like, I think like, I get the criticisms. I get that there could be problems with it. But the way I see it is, it's like, say a studio had this idea for this very sort of almost generic like low budget exploitation 60s horror film say you got the basic plot for that and then it was given to a team who are a lot more talented than it deserved and like say what you will about Edgar he's at least got good technical competent filmmaking and like it's not necessarily the most genius for me but in terms of just films you want to see in the cinema like He makes just great cinema films, I think in the terms of just it's so over the top, and the filmmaking's like not necessarily mind blowing, but it's just fun and it's enjoyable and I just, I did really like it. I thought the cinematography was exciting. I thought like the acting was very good. And I thought it really, I felt a lot of inspiration from like old Hitchcock and Argentos and just like exploitation cinema, but like with just a level of budget and just okay. like a cinematographer so great that like none of those directors ever had and I think it took a quite I feel like it took a genre that stereotypically wasn't great politically and well you could still read politically problematic stuff in it I think as a whole it had a more socially conscious message and like I'm not sure if I'll think that again I might watch it a second time and kind of think it's crap but to me just like i think it's the most fun i've had in the cinema all year and i was lost in it and that's never going to change and um, summer of soul is just amazing that's a great documentary felt like i was at that concert i would recommend watching
3: that well, yeah james last night and so I only gets 3.6 on letterbox so <laughs>
4: can
1: i can i rip into last night and so I know? yeah yeah yeah, please, yeah,
4: please, yeah, please.
0: yeah.
1: Okay. i've mentioned the painting the one black character white uh, also, the dialogue was so bad; it felt like I was watching a play. And every other person that I've spoken to that watched it so far, other than you, has said, "Oh, you're so right! It did feel like I was watching a play." Um, and what's well, a film, not a play?
4: So what film? <laughs> That's such a limited way to look at art. Like art is going to be inspired by the previous art before. It's fine to have exaggerated elements. I mean the cinematography and the lighting is not very, it's very over the top. So it's fine to have acting that feels a bit play-like, in my opinion. However, however, Mm
1: -hmm. however, in a film such as an Edgar Wright film, a lot of it is so based in fantasy that if you're not a passive spectator, it does ruin the film. So if you're sat there going, "Mm -hmm, this feels like a play,
4: if
0: you yeah. if you realise what you're watching, you're not shit,
1: immersed in it.
0: It's going to be you're shit. You're not immersed
1: so in it. It's not
4: right. Really? I I thought it wasn't. I thought it was. Are you saying there's nothing to it besides like a basic fantasy of like, oh, what if this was this? I'm the sure, one sorry, thing it
1: did well. The one thing it did well, other than Annie Taylor Joy, because she's a masterpiece in every single thing she does. Yeah. Is the jump scares because those fuckers got me every
0: time. <laughs> that was the. One it thing.
4: did a lot with the cinema... T- I'm, even if you don't like the film, the cinematography was very impressive. James, yeah.
0: What was the cinematography like?
4: <laughs> huh? And like you froze there. So, okay. Look. Yeah, I liked,
1: I liked the whole '60s. <laughs> uh, I guessed the plot twist. That was easily guessable and really predictable. I don't know. I just Jay's. Jay's opinion on Edgar Wright did I I did catch it and I, I caught it before I watched Last Night in Soho and watching it didn't change my opinion
4: You're welcome What opinion's that? That he's mm. bad or do you mean something specific about him? I'm I just, curious
1: Dare I say it
4: I liked
2: Suicide child. Squad because <laughs> it's <a> big shark <laughs> Good
4: shark
3: I, I liked, like, um, what was it, um, Bo Burnham inside his house was no, good. Like
4: if you can count that as a film. Yes, okay. It's been overhyped. I told you how a um, day yeah, after came out. Yeah, now the hype out. train has, has left the
3: station and I'm still buying a ticket.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a very close tie for me. Uh, on what my favourite film that came out this year was. Uh, and surprisingly, I didn't choose my favourite director because I would normally have said where's Anderson for anything and forever and ever I'll follow him. Amen. Um, but I've actually thought that the sound of metal was, oh, wow. I was gonna
3: say okay it was an impressive that was film. film.
1: For me. Yeah. yeah.
3: I think when you throw away that whole why didn't he wear better protection for his ears? He's so silly for becoming deaf and um, for becoming deaf. But um
2: I wasn't on that episode, could... I don't think. Who made that excuse? It's
3: a well-constructed film. Kitty did, I think. Kitty, it? that's
2: just stupid. I bet Kitty's at the concert she's at tonight, and she's got absolutely no earplugs or headphones exactly. on. <laughs>
3: exactly. Exactly. I,
2: <laughs> so I didn't like this film. You should have worn earplugs if he didn't go deaf. I haven't seen it yet. I really want to see
1: it. Really, really good film. And not just for the actual story, which is very good. The performance is incredible. The cinematography is great. Um, And yeah, the sound editing is by far the best sound editing I've ever seen in a film ever.
3: I just think it was a solid film. I I don't think I liked it as much as Chloe. I just think that people didn't give it maybe enough credit as it was due that... uh, you know, being released at a time where you couldn't go see it in the cinema, or you know, had to wait, and most people saw it at home. That actually, it was a very impressive film technically. Yeah, and yeah.
2: with the performances technically, also came out two years ago, according to Google. But I yeah, so it just really but it
1: wasn't released till May 2021.
2: Oh, was it not? Do you yeah, know? What so- I was going to say Borat, the new Borat. That was pretty good. Yeah, that came out last year.
0: Oh. My my favourite film this year um, was actually The Green Knight. Until about two weeks after recording this when I saw Come On, Come On twice and it was incredible, and fantastic and easily the best film of the year. Um, close second though was The Human Voice which is... Every, everyone else I know has said oh no, no, no it's all right. Um, But it's half an hour. It's a short film by Pedro Almodovar um, and it's Tilda Swinton, one woman show. And she is wandering around a house that is built on a soundstage. And it's very, very obviously a soundstage and it's shot all around it. And she doesn't seem to see that, or she is an actor playing a part in this film. Oh, it's, it's so it's it just clicked with me. Um other people didn't seem fussed by it, but it enchanted me. Um and I highly recommend you check it out. It's magical, in my opinion. Uh, there we go.
3: Annette.
0: Yeah, Annette. Annette was good. I liked it was
3: Annette. the most uh different, yeah, with yeah. individual that I saw in the whole year. And I was so surprised by it because I didn't realize I was going to be watching it. It was a mystery film. And then I saw Adam Driver just being a complete psychopath,
1: <laughs>
3: which is great. That's my favorite genre. Actually, is it? Well, maybe he's a psychopath in Patterson as well. What? <laughs> no, he's like the antithesis to being a psychopath. He's just, he's unbelievably He's a lov-
0: chilling. A lovely man. Yeah. yeah. Did you, saw- anyone see Censor?
1: No, but I did actually go on a call with the director. You what?
0: Whoa, come on, spill the beans.
1: It just, every Wednesday and Monday, we have what um, my uni calls a masterclass, where a visiting lecturer comes in. Um, So we've had directors, editors, head of talent agencies, DOPs, all that. And one of them was the director of centre.
0: Nice. I love all
1: the way from. Where was he? Hey. I think he's in Venezuela, something. I think his house in something like in Venezuela or something.
0: Are we are we talking about the same sensor? Yeah. Prano, the one that came out. Prano Bailey Bond. It
1: was him.
3: Mm, there's a video out here. That
0: you can break down Timothée Chalamet's haircut.
2: I've got the impression
0: that I, I, I thought that this was a woman. I. It is. Yeah.
1: Because there was there was two that I got confused. Because there was one that I was like, oh, I thought this was the director of Censor, and they were like, oh, it is. And I, went, oh, I thought that was a dude, and then now, I think that was the week after that there was also a dude, which is where I got confused. <laughs>
2: prano bailey bond yes Hold on a yeah. that's a female I
1: mean, search emails there are was. we talking
2: about prano bailey bond yes that's a female
1: aha yeah uh yeah i just i was confused about who i was talking about however there was someone else from some
0: someone. Were, was it, were you on a call with prano bailey bond or yes. are you lying <laughs>
1: Visiting film and TV masterclass, Bruno Bailey Bond.
2: That's that's very cool. Anyone could send that to you,
1: since it it literally says Kingsley Marshall, who if you Google is the course leader of film.
2: Hmm. I'll investigate. Mm-hmm. Anyone seen any uh, good actually, films? Oh, sorry.
1: Hold on. There is. Uh, did that say it's this week? Um, Oh, wow, it was literally the 10th of November. It was literally last week. Um, they send out the videos of it, so if I find a way to have the video of it, I'll send it to you guys if I can.
2: Bless you, Arthur. What films did you hate?
4: Well, I was going to think... Should we talk about maybe great films we saw for the first time but didn't come out this year?
0: That was, that was the next thing that I, I did have. Like, films that I hated. I, That's quite fun.
4: This, this
3: podcast is turning into an epic, isn't it? It's going... Yeah. It's it is. The it is
0: it's the final, final episode of the year. got to be a big event.
4: Yeah. yeah. My bedtime I just, is in
0: there.
4: I, just, yeah. I can literally just run through them right now. If no one else wants to, I have a few...
0: Final films, films I, I want to recommend you, that you hated,
4: no, that I loved.
0: Oh right, what that you watched for the first time this year?
4: This yeah, yeah. Just what? Um, I think I, this is almost I've mentioned this on our second episode. Bloop in the third castle of cagliosa. Yeah. That's just the um, most fun I've had in a film in years. Like pure joy. Um, and also I didn't go on my phone during it, which is a rare feat. Oh wow! Um, Tree of Life didn't yeah. go on my phone during it. That's a rare feat. Lahane didn't go on my phone during it happy together yeah that was really good um the rest of um his stuff Ooh, didn't hold up, his at phone. this point no no that was in the cinema you know oh, so, so you i did go on my phone on it of course um, well you could have though you just turned down the brightness and kind of subtle yeah no i didn't like do that, yeah I um, don't and and that. clute um, that's a really good film i used to yeah, I used to have a rule. I used to, well Joe, I said, I used to have a rule that no actor should method act because it always ends up crap. I think the rule should now just be no male actor should method act because uh, Jane Fonda just won the best performances I've seen all year in that. So yeah, I just want to recommend those, you know, um, if anyone's interested in some older films.
0: I think, yeah, there's been a lot of film, really good films I've watched for the first time this year. Um stop making sense um was one of them that's that's done endless amount of good for me. It's been like that one that I I'm feeling so awful and I discovered it when I was feeling properly awful. Um and I've watched it eight times this year. Uh just as Only as eight. A, yeah, only eight. Um I'm a lightweight. Uh, I'm going to watch it every day next year. Yeah, uh, I like probably, could, probably could. Probably could. Um, what else? Uh, only Lovers Left Alive. I've discovered the whole of Jim Jarmusch's films this year, thanks to Arthur Frost. Um, oh, yeah. I
3: think that was a voyage of your own, but thank you for s- suggesting that I was the one who, um, you know, cast off your little boat into well, the Jim Jarmusch Sea. Oh. You
0: you were one of nine people who said I would enjoy it. I would enjoy Jim Jarmusch's films, and yeah. lo and behold, I loved them all. So. That's an
3: accurate way to describe me as one of nine people.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Oh, what else? True stories. David, another David Berman. and David Byrne's American Utopia. I might as well just say everything to do with. <laughs> David Byrne. I I thought you were going to say everything you watched. (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe not. No. I've watched some really good stuff this year. What about about all of you, Chloe, Arthur-Solomon, best stuff you've seen this year?
1: I've watched some good things. I watched Marriage Story for the first time this year. That's probably
0: one of my
1: favourite films I've seen this year.
0: Brookback Mountain,
1: never seen that before. A mint film, a really good film. Um, I rewatched Straight Out of Compton this year for the first time. I watched it again for the first time in like at least six years, and it's still one of my favorite films. Yeah, I can't really. think I've seen so many films that I can't think of what's good and what I haven't seen and what I've seen. Pedro Almodovar will agree with you on his. Good filmmaking. I watched All About My Mother last week, actually. Very good film. Yeah, that's kind of all I have to give on that one.
3: I think, for me, when I watched Aguirre, the Wrath of the, or the Wrath, the Wrath of God, when I had COVID. That was a very special, delirious moment. <laughs> um, yeah, because I was feeling quite nauseous at that time. And that film almost, you know, it reflected my state of mind. But it was just so impressive as well. It was a very cool film. And I love the fact that they're just trudging through the jungle on a, such a low budget and still managing to make something that held up even now. And um, it, was the, it was the best kind of film for me that's very impressive, good performances, but then also funny in an almost ironic way that's teetering on the edge of purpose, of being on purpose, but always just kind of not quite. Um, Yeah, that was a five-star film. Um, I did like Patterson, but then also I almost, I was a bit, I couldn't give that five stars. There was something ever so slightly off about it. Um, they would need a rewatch. Barton Think that's the other film that I just loved because of how crazy and mental it is. Fair enough. And also, John Goodman, he's was very good.
0: Watched, have you watched no. that on Earth yet?
3: No, uh, we were about to watch it, and then, um, can't remember what happened. I had, the DVD was in the, the, the box and no, the DVD was in, was was put in and then I can't remember I, I don't know, maybe someone knocked me out I can't remember what happened
2: Wow I watched uh, No Country for Old Men first time, mm. that was pretty good I'm trying to think of what I watched because I can't remember and I watched American History X which was quite a memorable one but I forgot I'd watched it and then I realised I like <laughs> I've got this list of films behind me and I scratch it off every time I see it. And I saw saw that. It was right at the beginning. I think I watched it like... Well, it it might have been New Year's Eve. I watched it so technically last year, Mm. but I don't know if that counts, but that was really good. That was a really good one. And I watched uh, Bridge to Terabithia, which was like really sad.
0: Uh, Have you seen it? it? But I know it's supposed to be the one that breaks everyone's heart for the first time. Oh,
1: that made me cry.
0: I got made
2: to watch it and I sat down and I was like, this is a stupid kid's show. Why are you making me watch this shit? <laughs> and then, um, and then, and then it was my girlfriend. she's like, you got to watch it, you got to watch it. It's like my childhood film. I like it so much. And I was just making fun of it. And then the girl dies. I'm like, what? And I get really sad. And the only other film that makes me sad is like Toy Story 3. So for a film to make me feel that emotion, it's pretty, it's, it's not funny. Toy Story 3 is a very sad film. I watch I it every seen, year.
4: I haven't seen Toy Story 3 since it came out. Wow. It's an emotional one. I think I hated it as a kid for some reason. And so I've never seen it since. I don't know. That somehow that doesn't surprise me, James. <laughs> I was always, you know, a cynic, you know. First film I ever saw was an emo, And my first words were, oh. how can he speak? This is a fish. It doesn't make sense. You know, well, I was always... I'm struggling to wrap my head around that anecdote.
3: (laughs) It's what we call a
0: joke. Oh, Nemo. I thought
3: you said an emo. No. Finding Nemo.
0: What, was he saying? He
3: was an emo? Uh, Okay, Yeah. yeah. No, that makes more sense, even though the idea of a young James being put off by the fact that the fish could talk i was always this pretentious yes are you saying that you didn't like it when the fox talked in this film or have you
4: gotten rid of that bias now
3: <laughs> yeah I've,
4: I've come to accept talking animals in cinema, mm. yeah and in real life yeah yeah it happens doesn't it you know i've just thought yeah. of them. I really do you ever actually you get scared an animal will talk to you and you've realized you've gone crazy no, oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'm just looking at my dog and I'm like, "What if he talks now? That's going to break me."
3: Maybe once or twice, but not on a regular basis.
4: Yeah, oh, okay.
3: I find I squills, um, squills are really scary sometimes.
4: Yeah, and
1: that's what he thought in the green night when the fox started talking to him.
0: He he really learned what the no, fox said.
1: Know,
2: like <laughs> if if I thought the fox was talking, to you, I'd have beheaded it instantly. <laughs> I'd be like, what is going on? Really?
4: That's it. The- that's the last <laughs> thing you should do when the animal talks. That shows it has a high enough level of sentience where it shouldn't be killed.
2: Or I've taken too many drugs. Is it is either one of them.
4: Yeah.
3: I would have oh. I would have done with that if he'd
0: seen <laughs> that
3: box. Like, yes, yes, Dev, you go. Yeah. I'd the like to see awesome. that now. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like that
2: Skyrim meme where it's like, I love dogs. I keep loads of dogs, and it turns out it's just someone's killing
0: a dog. <laughs> well, I I think we've 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 reached an end point now. Have Is we it, nearly the new year? No. We haven't talked about bad films yet. Oh we know, last night in
4: Soho. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Do we have I to just, end on a bad note? Okay. Do we have to yeah. end on a bad
4: note? No, because no, then we end on the positive note. Because then we talked about best filmmakers we found.
0: Okay, Whoa. okay. I didn't find. I'm you. just going to say it, for a Dream." I was for
4: too right for a Dream." I was too kind in that film. <laughs> Zero out of ten. It's lowest to com common denominator filmmaking.
0: Just ugh, hate it. Film I hate it. Yeah. Huh?
1: One film I hated this year. Go on. Adaptation. It's shite.
0: What film? Absolutely Interesting. Yeah. Right.
1: Adaptation. It's got Nicolas Cage in it. I'm sorry, the man. Oh,
0: shit. I know I James, know James, James adores that film. Yeah. No, no, no. I did. It was oh, one right. of the
4: first. But here's the thing I, this was around the same time I liked Scott Pilgrim. I rewatched it. And I still like it, but I've reevaluated some elements of it. And it's. What don't you like about it? I'm very curious to hear this.
1: I don't like Nicolas Cage.
4: It's a good okay. actor.
1: The, the character development was so poor that I didn't care when one of them died. Um, also the character development was so poor that I actually disliked the characters. Um, specifically the one who, specifically the Charlie Kaufman character. He just pissed me off. <laughs> he, just, it, he was just annoying. So- he was—he was just so pathetic. Like everything in my life is going wrong. I can't do anything right. It was just pathetic.
4: Don't you think that's the point? I think yeah, Charlie I Kaufman made a film for people who liked art films to make fun of people that liked art films. Because I watched it when I was at a really pretentious point in filmmaking. What's that?
0: Oh yes, I'm like
4: yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but like I watched it at a time where I was just even worse than this, and like. I saw, when the first time I watched it, I took it fully seriously. I was like, oh, wow. It's... And then the more I watched it, I realized it's a film that's saying, stop caring about making art films. Stop caring about what your films are. Just make films, enjoy them. And, like, that's kind of what I like about it. I took it more seriously first time I watched it. And the more I watched it, I kind of realized it's parodying those attitudes. So I get what you're saying, but, like... I think that's part of the point. You know, I think part of it is about this filmmaker who's obsessed with making a great film that doesn't fit into the structures and re-evaluates life. But then literally at one point in the film, a screenplay writer tells him, you know, interesting stuff happens all the time in the world. Why the fuck would you not want to make an interesting film where people don't learn something? And then even in the end of his film is him saying, oh, they say you shouldn't use voiceover. Well, who cares? It feels right for me. So... I feel like it's almost an anti-pretentious filmmaker film.
1: I can appreciate that. And I can appreciate the thought process behind that theory. And I appreciate the theory itself. However, I just, I I didn't like it. It, It's not not my style of film. It just, I can't watch Elf because the character pisses me off too much. There's just something about annoying, whiny, the world's going wrong for me characters that I just can't stand. And that's just one of them was why I really
0: just don't like Nicholas Cage. He he weirds me out. <laughs> I I watched Scott Pilgrim vs the World this year. Say no more. Yep, don't need to. <laughs> Actually, I, I like cool. that. I know. That one, I thought
3: it was just fun.
0: Can we move on to the filmmakers?
3: Oh, but I haven't said what films I didn't like. Okay. It was the ones that earlier in the project that we were doing that Jay and Callum made me watch. I thought they were a bit underwhelming. <laughs> But you know what? I enjoyed being on the the um, the chat shows, so it was all made up for in the end.
0: I'm I'm glad. Um, Actually, no,
3: I am being too vague with that. Um, I no, thought don't I did, say okay. it. I won't say which ones, even though that's the point of this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, you can say. It.
3: Um, I didn't like the film that is of me where i dis, where i talk about the films that i don't like there we go i i didn't like the film of me saying that i didn't like Aiden and Body saints
0: oh okay but it's it was so there was i oh
3: the worst film i watched actually on a quality level uh was the the private life of sherlock Holmes. i've not if, don't if you haven't heard of it don't worry don't
4: watch it
0: Okay, I I've heard that was an
4: inspiration on the Moffat version, so that's a reason to avoid it, I guess.
3: Yes, actually, Fury was quite bad as well.
0: I watched uh, the Cutting Room; that was shot locally. That was terrible. Um, yeah, really <laughs> sorry if the directors listening, which I doubt it is, but um, it was awful. Yeah.
1: Oh, I watched um, *Man with a Movie Camera* today. Actually, um, Ooh. and I slept.
0: Oh, it. oh,
3: okay.
1: Um, it's
3: quite a nice sleepy film.
1: I honestly, I slept for at least half an hour, and I slept so hard that I was dreaming in my lecture. So <laughs> <laughs> sorry, yeah, I should clarify. *Man with a Movie Camera*, I watched in the lecture, um, and I just slept the whole way through it.
0: Well, um, wow. I, hate, I hate to end on a, a bad note, so quick, very, very quickly, some of your favourite filmmakers you discovered this year. Quickfire.
1: David Lowry.
0: David Lowry. David Lowry. Oh, although David I discovered last year, but David Lowry anyway, yeah.
3: Uh, I'd like discovering Jay. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, no, maybe rediscovering, because I already sort of discovered him in late 2020. But, you know,
4: I just don't want to be like everyone else and say David Larry. David Lynch. And I will actually say thanks, Jay, because I checked out some of his work, didn't get it. And then this year, we had to watch Razorhead. And then also I was just talking about Lynch, got me to check out Twin Peaks. And I finally get Lynch. So he's...
0: Yeah! I count it, like...
4: I really do love his films, and I think it's interesting. He's a case of, like, a director. His work is already done. It doesn't seem like he'll make a film again. You know, his whole work Mm. is done, and I'm sort of finding this already complete, brilliant artist. But I also want to say Prano Bailey Bond. She's almost the exact opposite. I don't even think Censor was that great, but I think she's going to make something phenomenal soon. So, like, opposite ends, you know, Master, who's already done his work, and hopefully seem to be legend of filmmaking you know yeah
0: mine this year were jim jarmusch joanna hogg and um michael haneke there we go yeah yeah well um thank you right. we've got less than a minute to wrap this up but um happy christmas um we hope you have a very nice one well you have had a very nice one um we'll see you next year for who killed captain alex i think is our yeah, new year's yes. special and then um, we're going to be drunk yeah. we're going to be drunk smashed uh, off our heads uh, yeah every so.
2: drug you've ever heard of will be on
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll really happy, get yeah happy christmas mm. This episode was edited by Jay Taylor Jones, and it was a really long episode, so well done for making it this far. Happy Christmas!